Teamwork Arts Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This is where we try and go behind the thoughts uh, that animate the actions of those who create the arts. And uh, today, uh, a man who has uh, told us a story that uh, for a very long time was not supposed to be told, but uh, when it did come out, it uh, made our heart swell pride a little. I, I remember having had these conversations uh, uh, with you uh, on the stair of this uh, mutual office that we used to share at one point in time and I could literally see the sparkle of excitement in your yeah. uh, in your eyes about Operation right. X. That's it's a suitably cool name to give an operation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, it's actually the full form of that operation is very boring military jargon okay. is Naval Commando Operations X, which we had to condense to Operation X for right. the purpose of the book. Of but course. that's what it was called, NCOX. I see. And it's a, it's a very uh, mundane sounding title for something that was as exciting as what I told you way back then, yes. so many yes. years ago. Yes. And and that excitement came out of the fact that this is a story that I'd been following for almost over 20 years. And when I finally caught up with it, it was like, you know, my goodness, uh, you know, what am I going to do after this? You know, after I write this book, <laughs> there are no more stories to tell. You know, it was almost like that. That's how exciting. Sort of like a, like a definitive war story, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's actually a war story with a twist, you know, because it's not like a war, war story. It, it has military operations. There is that element of, uh, uh, you know, action and uh, uh, danger and, you know, going into enemy territory and all of that. But the principal characters of this are basically plotters. You know, they are the guys who ideate, they, they are the guys who get the, uh, uh, you know, training going and the wherewithal, improvisation, planning and, and finally the execution is entirely done by the uh, uh, Bengali uh, civilians that they are trained as naval commandos. So it's a very uh, unique kind of uh, Indo-Bangladesh joint operation, sure. if you will. Of and uh, where, where the Indian Navy, uh, you know, personnel who were uh, doing all the training and the ideation and all, they were literally the backroom boys, if you can right. call them that. Right. Right. But the front end was these, you know, naval commando fighters, incredibly brave uh, men, you know, who literally risk life, limb, the safety of their families and their friends and collaborators and all the whole thing that you know goes with fighting a guerrilla war when a guerrilla fights sure. i mean he puts his life in danger and also those of his family members who can be you know picked up and tortured and all that's why it's a very remarkable kind of story and uh, what what a remarkable time that was in 1971 Absolutely. Absolutely. it's like a textbook kind of thing sarthak i mean we've all spoken about this in the past how the indian armed forces carried out this very textbook uh, operation to go in and liberate uh, the uh, East Pakistan, you know, uh, give it independence, call it Bangladesh, uh, right. you know, and that was uh, a moment that kind of repudiated uh, Jinnah's uh, two-nation theory, the fact that Muslims could live together under in one country, sure. and uh, which completely, uh, you know, uh, uh, neglected the fact that there was something like culture, which is far more of a binding factor than religion and sure. that's the reason that this this cultural imperialism that the uh, West Pakistanis uh, sought to impose on their Eastern uh, uh, citizens is what backfired on them and that's what led to the creation of Bangladesh and in fact this book is just one of those hundreds of stories of remarkable you know courage and fortitude and absolutely 
but i think the the the, the most interesting part about uh, uh, about the book was the fact that it told the story of that much vilified of the armed forces arms which is the thinkers the the people who sit in the offices uh, <laughs> yeah. working out yeah. the details because yeah. far too often we've seen uh, uh, the belligerence of uh, of on ground fighting yes. uh, yeah. you know um, uh, uh, showing uh, the thinkers the as the subservient who right, right. you know who, who are not really out there but sure. this operation was actually about thinking and strategy yes, and, yes. and sitting down and spending the, the hours to try and figure out things. absolutely and and sarthak and you've hit the nail on the head because intelligence gathering and analysis and all is a very boring activity it doesn't translate well on uh, on screen and that's the reason you have james bond there are no real life james bonds there are very few of them actually because the bulk of the intelligence uh, gathering and collecting is, is a very boring activity you know it doesn't like i said it doesn't translate well on screen and you have uh, in in operation x you have this very large uh, group of uh, well actually a small group of very committed naval officers who sit there and uh, analyze and strategize and plan and uh, you know do the targeting right. and you know the planning and the training and all of that which is really uh, more than half of that work you know that uh, for a successful mission it's not only about getting those boots on the ground but it's sure. also the logistic backup the uh, the arming the equipping the training and the intelligence that sure. the fact that you should know uh, which merchant ship is coming into east pakistan what it's carrying what its cargo is sure. is it cargo that you should be targeting or is it you know something like sand for instance which you know you might as well ignore and you know focus right. on priorities like arms ammunition sure. and uh, you know fuel and uh, food for instance and that's what the, these uh, men in operation x did sure. they targeted this merchant shipping that was flowing into east pakistan you as a journalist also have had your operation x's galore to your to your to your career um, yeah. you know uh, uh, focusing on the cloak and dagger so yeah. to speak of yeah. the uh, of the whole establishment etc uh, have you seen a change in the way when you started uh, to now in the way information is gathered more importantly uh, and probably more uh, uh, strategically the yeah. way it is interpreted now right. have you have you seen a change happen to your well uh, absolutely if you're talking about the way intelligence is gathered yeah. by the way the agencies do it it's now become far easier for uh, the agencies to gather and uh, you know analyze information as opposed to say 50 years back in 1971 sure. uh, today you have uh, civilians who have actually turned into intelligence analysts because uh, of the range of tools that are available at their disposal and you only have to look at the footage that's coming out of the ukraine war uh where uh, you have citizens actually sitting and poring over satellite data and you know interpreting satellite data uh, studying the movement and patterns of air traffic sure. uh, identifying military aircraft that is moving around so it's in a sense you can imagine what it must be like for the intelligence agencies it's like a bonanza it's an electronic bonanza in terms of uh, the kind of the uh, radio traffic that's been generated for instance they're able to pinpoint you know which yeah. formation is moving where and all that also i think the very the very definition of public domain seems yes. to have changed from the time that you started uh, absolutely so i mean if you're looking 50 years back uh, you uh, as uh, you and me if we were back in 1971 we would have had very few tools at our disposal uh, right. to actually understand what was going on uh, in the world outside i mean we just had transistor radios yeah. for the news <laughs> we had right. newspapers and uh, you had a, a tv channel with like 1 hour or 2 hours of uh, a thing a day a broadcast a day <laughs> so you're living in a in a in a kind of a closeted world where uh, you know information was very hard to come by sure. and today it's exactly the opposite 
if you had the fog of war then you have a, a saturation of information today yeah, in uh, 50 years later where you're actually flooded by images and uh, visuals and uh, data and for you to gather to sift through that is a far bigger challenge than it was in the past and in fact that leads me to my favorite question that i've been asking a lot of people who've been uh, writing as well uh, Information now is increasingly masquerading as knowledge because yeah. information is passive. You yes. you have information everywhere. Yes, yes. Uh, knowledge is actually the yeah. active gathering of information. Right. right. Uh, but a lot of information is now being passed off as knowledge. As so knowledge. Exactly. Is that do you think a threat to uh, uh, to to the profession that you've uh, chosen for yourself and to the subject of that profession? Yeah. So it's actually uh, as you rightly put it. I mean, knowledge is masquerading. Uh, information is masquerading as knowledge. And I think the uh, distinguishing factor in a lot of uh, uh, platforms, uh, you know, in, in media, for instance, where I work, is going to be your ability to cut through the clutter and, and you know, uh, discern this uh, knowledge from information and tell this to the people the way it should be told and, you know, tell stories in such an environment where you don't kind of, you know, as we say, write for your sources, you know, you <laughs> explain to the common man. And I think that's increasingly becoming the case because uh, as uh, uh, news organizations, you were used to a certain yeah. kind of, uh, you know, that, that closeted information space that we mentioned. And today you're now open uh, to the rest of the world. The world is, the world of information has become flat. So you have your reader today uh, who's consuming the New, New York Times uh, at the same time that he's uh, reading the Times of India, for instance. So for you to uh, say that, look, oh, you know, that's like, uh, it's a foreign uh, a brand and it's got so many more resources and all that's not going to cut uh, much ice with the reader sure, sure, because absolutely. he expects the same quality out of you uh, that he yeah. does from the New York Times. So it's a far more challenging time for us in the media space and that that's the uh, uh, challenge for us to reinvent ourselves. And I think that's the thing about uh, democratization of information. No? Yes. It's, it's just open. But uh, also information knowledge... Uh, also depend largely on questions. Yes. Because there are no wrong questions. There are only no, probably no, wrong answers. No wrong answers, exactly. Uh, but questions are now, of course, also, uh, in a sense, for lack of a better way of explaining it, uh, being weaponized. Yeah. Uh, also uh, uh, being thwarted quite yeah. actively because right. uh, sometimes uh, asking a question becomes an act of rebellion in itself. <laughs> um, you in, in, in the field of defense, probably even yeah. more so. Absolutely. Uh, uh, do you think the uh, uh, the importance of the question endures or do you think that again is a is a bit of a concern absolutely and and you know one reason this book actually turned out the way it did was the fact that i kept asking a lot of questions yeah. and and my first question was 25 years back uh, uh, when i happened to read admiral roy's book on uh, uh, the 1971 war where he alluded to the fact that there were all these operations and my first question is uh, uh, you know exactly what Henry Kissinger asked in the White House who's training these guys to do all this stuff you know <laughs> to blow up ships and you know plant mines I and mean, this is the kind of training that of a very high order which is not available to civilians and here you have civilian college kids who are uh, running around with limpet mines and anti-ship mines and all that you know so hey who's training them that's the first question right. to ask and that's when I actually uh, that that was the thread that I started pulling and I kept pulling it and lo and behold, there was this wide, big, wonderful world of Naval Commando Operations X, <laughs> which is the case with a lot of other uh, things as well, where you ask the kind of questions and you th that will lead you to a certain set of answers. But is it difficult to ask questions? It's becoming increasingly difficult to ask questions, uh, uh, primarily in the military space, because uh, it's not 
information is very hard to come by because of uh, the fact that uh, information warfare has become such an important part of military operations today. And everybody is weaponizing information. For instance, if uh, uh, you have to see the way India and Pakistan, for instance, play it out. Uh, or for that matter, India and China, the way weapon information is weaponized by the Chinese, you know. They would come and they'd plant flags on Galwan, for instance, and they'd play it out like saying that this is the flag that flew in Tiananmen Square and now it's flying in Galwan. So it's like a, you know, it's uh, that video which is, you know, bom uh, bombarding social media is like, uh, uh, it's, uh, an, uh, you know, the objective is to grab the moral high ground to yeah. say that, look, you know, we are bigger than you and uh, we've captured Galwan and you're nowhere. And so they have weaponized information in a way uh, that uh, we can't aspire to even, you know, it's because at the end of the day, we are like a democracy and uh, we are answerable to the people, whether you like it or no. Uh, you cannot hide casualties, for instance. That's a simple basic fact of life in India is that you cannot have a Kargil operation and hide the losses of all your men that the Pakistanis did for a decade plus. Uh, we still don't know how many Chinese soldiers, for instance, died in Galwan. There are conflicting reports of they're saying between 5 and 50 and 100 who died there. Sure. And uh, these would not be known uh, simply because of the nature of those Governments, you have a military dictatorship in Pakistan and you have a, a, a communist party dictatorship in China. Sure. So here you have uh, within its confines, the Indian state, uh, you know, within the confines of a democracy trying to kind of, you know, work its way around, uh, you know, releasing information to the media on a need to know basis. Sure. Uh, and so I was saying that the point being that it's becoming increasingly difficult to access information because uh, the government has kind of started tightening restrictions on, uh, for instance, former personnel speaking about operations that they've been uh, part of, uh, which is well and good because uh, I, I can see from their point of view that they don't want, uh, you know, operations to be compromised. Uh, you know, this whole thing of rushing to the media almost as soon as you've done it and, you know, say that, look, I did it, I was there and like exactly like you, ha you had those uh, special forces operators in the U.S. doing yeah. it. The U.S. also has a problem with that, sure. uh, as do we. And uh, unfortunately, there's uh, no selective grading of um, uh, information that's to be released to the public here. Sure. It's everything is classified. And it's so ridiculous that this uh, Official Secrets Act, uh, which is the declassification policy under that, the, which is which tells you the policy that uh, is uh, supposed to apply to military documents and all that. There is a declassification policy. Right. That policy itself is classified. <laughs> I mean, that's how funny things are. It's very Orwellian, yes, actually. It's very Orwellian. Yeah. Uh, so, how do you declassify papers? We have a declassification policy. Can I see the declassification policy? That's classified. It's classified. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is, so it's, it's, it's yeah. very difficult to, uh, you know, um, uh, make sense of operations like this. And it's just pure coincidence. This book, for instance, coming back to Operation X, uh, it's pure coincidence that I happened to run into, uh, Captain Samant. Uh, who was a very key figure in this operation. Right. Uh, he passed away a few years back and it just so happened that he wanted to tell his story. It was to be his autobiography. Sure. And when I saw what he had, the kind of research material that he had been working on and who he was in 71, right. I instantly figured, look, this is not a normal autobiography. This sure. is a story of a military operation that's never been told before. Absolutely. And it's, it's just happenstance that I ran into him. And I'm not sure of how many other such operations have actually been lost 
to yeah. for posterity uh, you know because of the fact that uh, you know the, the principal actors are no longer with us so sure, that, that's the past but uh, for the future uh, those who would want to follow in your footsteps in the in the field of journalism and in the field of authorship uh, what would your advice be to them my advice to you would be to find a, find a field of your specialization and uh, persist and ask questions do a lot of research go for the primary sources go not only to the people uh, who would have taken part in such operations or who've been part of a certain uh, organization but go to the primary sources uh, exactly as any other research scholar would do across the world go to the libraries go to newspapers and start gathering that intel uh, don't do i mean the internet is a fantastic tool i mean it it's a research tool but don't rely on just internet uh, research you know go down to your libraries a lot of stuff is not been kind of digitized go sure. to those original sources get those documents spend time do research do some hard work come out with original stories you know Absolutely. don't repeat what's already out there what everyone yeah. knows go Absolutely. for the story go for the story do the hard work yeah take that away if you will from this uh, wonderful conversation with uh, the redoubtable uh, mr sandeep unithan uh, the book is called operation x you might want to read it uh, and of course uh, if you can take away uh, uh, from something uh, take away something from uh, this podcast that will hopefully make you think that would be a good first step uh, sandeep thank you very much as usual it's been a delightful uh, conversation with you which uh, i've had the pleasure of having many times over but uh, for the for the listener uh, it should be it should be uh, enlightening thank you thanks sarthak always good to chat with you my friend <laughs> that's a team of art pod- podcast ladies and gentlemen you've got anything to say to us please feel free the contact uh, the, the comment section is open do follow us like subscribe you know what to do and uh, what's coming next well for that you'll have to do all of that no like subscribe etc this is the team of art podcast thank you very much for listening